Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Anthony Stewart, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Michael Trakos, my colleague at Post Media, and we appreciate you coming into the office today to talk about uh, the World Juniors, your experience, and and maybe what some guys are, are feeling right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, off the top, at, at this part of the year, do you, like, how is it for you? Because... There were two years in 2004, 2005, where your life was consumed by, okay, this is world junior time, you know, no distractions, we're going full steam ahead. It's sort of a, a whole month where you're in a bubble. It, does it, do you still get sort of memories of that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you're sort of getting ridden by your teammates, calling, getting called a big shot, going to world junior camp. And uh, back then, um, you know, it was tough. It's weird to say that the team was almost picked before it was. And uh, that 2003 uh, draft NHL group was uh, pretty special. So um, we pretty much knew who the team was. So um, I could feel the pressure a bit, uh, you know, what these guys are feeling. I sort of know what they're going through. But uh, back then it was a different time. And, uh, you know, we were uh, you know, a different bunch, a special group. And uh, it was more so just, you know, getting together and getting ready and getting prepared for the tournaments. That, that first year that you picked, you were picked, you said the team was already picked beforehand. Uh, were there certain pressures to go with that just kind of knowing that you guys were almost handpicked yeah it was it was weird i was looking at uh i have the picture in um in my basement of the team uh, the team picture and i think there's something like 13 or 14 uh you know 1985 birth years as opposed to the 84 so usually it's uh the older guys get the chance to go and uh you know a couple of younger guys get sprinkled in but it was majority 85 uh age birthdays and uh, even sydney was there as a as a 16 year old so to have, uh, you know, that many young guys and, you know, have them uh, be the horses uh, for the tournament, it was pretty uh, pretty special. Yeah, to, f- to refresh everyone's memory, so 2004, Canada loses uh, in the final, the the infamous Marc-Andre Fleury own goal, and then 2005 was a lockout, and there's probably never been a better world junior in regards to just talent level. Yeah. You had Ovechkin versus Crosby, and the Canadian team was just stacked, mm-hmm. and you guys end up winning in the final. Yes. Um, do you, do you look back on those two years and, and you see a distinct difference or or do they kind of blend together? I mean, the heartache of, of 2004 is probably what, what makes it uh, separate, right? Yeah, the first year we were, you know, we were laid back. You know, we were sort of a little bit cocky and, uh, you know, we had a little bit uh, laid back coach. And, you know, I remember the second intermission we were winning 3-1 and guys were sort of talking about the after party and things like that. <laughs> so that was part of us being a little bit immature, yeah. not really having wow. that veteran presence. We're in Finland, uh, foreign land, and... 
uh, guys were sort of lining up the champagne, for lack of better words. But uh, that next year, uh, we had uh, Sutter come in, and it was no nonsense where we had to make sure we were taking care of business. So uh, myself and Nigel Dawes, the first year, uh, tied for lead scoring. And uh, Sutter actually called me in in mid-camp and uh, threatened to cut me the next year. So <laughs> from then, really? the, yeah, the tone was the tone was set. Uh, I was a more laid-back guy, so I could sort of take that ribbing where they wanted to send a message. And they sent it through me. I, you know, I rose to the rose to the occasion, but um, it was no nonsense. So we came into that tournament knowing that hey, we're gonna win and we're gonna win big here because uh, you know if you're not going, you know you're gonna be sitting. So uh, you know it went from me being tournament leading scorer to. You know, I started off as a 13 forward, so you know that naturally got me into gear, and that sort of uh, you know sent the message to the rest of the team that we you know we have to be going here. Now, going back to Sutter, I remember it was like infamous, like it was almost like lose rules with the Leafs right now. Like, didn't you guys have to get haircuts and like? Yeah. Was there no facial hair? Yeah, well, I'm not. I wasn't a big mustache guy, but there was no facial hair. You had to get haircuts. I remember guys actually going trying to find a barber in North Dakota <laughs> to try to go get a <laughs> it was go get a haircut. Or... Yeah, go get a haircut. Um, you know, the one meal I had too much to eat, you know, for the coach's liking. They went and uh, <laughs> calibrated the scale to make it me 50 pounds heavier just to sort of keep me on edge. So um, it, it was a fun experience. But, again, it, it was sort of a, a preface to get us ready for the pros because, again, you know, we were the big fish in a small pond in our respective uh, junior teams. But um, that really, I think, set the tone for guys, you know, trying to, you know, get ready for that pro going into the next year. I know it's been like 13 years, but does that flurry own goal like haunt you? Because I was watching the highlights last yeah. night, and I think you're on the ice. You're at the other end yeah. of the ice. Yeah, well, it haunts me. You know, once a week I see uh, Patrick O'Sullivan tweeting about it or mentioning <laughs> it on uh, TSN or tweeting about it. So we go back and forth. And, you know, I mentioned hey, I had more points than them, but he just shows his gold medals. So uh, it was a long time ago, but you still remember it like it's yesterday. And, again, you know, it, it was a special group, and uh, the media still covers it. So, um, it's a learning experience, but I think that uh, that experience losing really helped guys, you know, learning how to be pros and learning not to quit and learning that it's really not over until it's over. Where the next year, I think we had 30 goals for and only nine against where we, you know, even if we were winning 5 nothing, we kept our foot on the gas and made sure that uh, there was no, no comebacks that year. So, so what are some of those guys that on Team Canada this year, um, like a Carter Hart or a Tyler, a Taylor Radish or Mikey McLeod, who were part of that team that lost to the U.S. in the overtime shooter a year ago. What, what do you think they're going into this tournament feeling? Is it Were you feeling redemption at that point and just kind of like, hey, yeah, I don't want to end yeah, it like I this? Think, I think they're trying to go in there thinking like, hey, you know what? We were that close, and we don't want to leave it to chance. So now that I'm a coach now, I try to tell the kids, don't leave anything to chance. When you guys have an opportunity, seize the opportunity and uh, you know make sure that you make the most of the opportunity because you might not get it back because, again, um, you know, um, some of those guys that first year that we lost, that could have been their last year and not have a chance at redemption. And, uh, you know, that could have haunted them for a long time. So these guys now that are going into it, um, I think they're going to be focused and, uh, you know, they already went through it. So they're not going to be really worried about the social media aspect, uh, you know, keeping in contact with the parents and making sure they're Skyping every night. Now it's all business. And uh, I really feel that uh, they're going to come out strong and really have a really good showing this year. Yeah, that's the thing, the difference between your experience and theirs now is there wasn't, I don't know if there was social media then. If there was, it wasn't nearly at the same extent as it is now. Um, but, I mean, there was still pressure. Were you part of the, the group or the period where TSN would knock on your door and say, hey, you've made the team, or hey, you haven't made the team? Was that Or was that before um, your time? They would knock on your door if you got cut. So I oh, remember okay. um, there was a knock on my Just door. Just gutless. <laughs> I forget who I was rooming with. I think I was rooming with the first year, maybe uh, Adam Heinrich and uh, – 
He's like, Stewie, go answer the door. And I'm like, I'm not answering the door. You answer the door. He's like, you answer the door. That's so amazing. I actually pretended I was sleeping. So no one answered the door. So I think they actually called the room. Somebody <laughs> answered the door. Hey, we want to film this. Yeah. Let us get so our two seconds. They tell you, and you got to go down in the lobby with your bag. And then the cameras are there with the bag. So that's, you know, the embarrassing part. You got to walk through the lobby and do the walk of shame almost. And uh, But again, um, if you get a knock at the door, don't answer it. That's my advice. It was good TV. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, they don't do it anymore. I'm assuming Hawk Canada just said, you know what? this gimmick's over or whatever um and i'm pretty sure the guys aren't allowed on social media during the tournament i don't know what the sort of rules are like how they they monitor that but it's probably smart i mean going into your twitter mentions after you guys maybe lost a a game to you know the u.s in the round robin it's not going to be pretty yeah you don't want to read your headlines when you're you know when you're doing good but especially when you're bad right because again that can affect you and i remember there was a uh I think it was a MSN Messenger blackout and ICQ Messenger blackout. Wow. Yeah, Dude, ICQ. So, again, I remember in the hotel you know, going, uh-oh, uh-oh. So that was the big <laughs> thing back then. So no ICQ or MSN Messenger. So did, they, did the, would the coaches, like, pop into your room and be like, oh, you guys uh, behaving in here? Or? No, there was no laptops. There was no laptops. Oh, okay. We had to go and use the business center computer. And that's what I remember. Guys had about 15 <laughs> minutes each. And, you know, who are you talking to, your girlfriend or who it is? And guys looking over your shoulder. So. So, so how cool is it? Like you're a teenager, and really, like this is pre-NHL. This is you're maybe a star in your junior team, yeah. but for two weeks, mm-hmm. you guys are gods, basically yeah. in, in Canada. Like mm-hmm. everyone's following you. Um, like even after the tournament, like you're rock stars, basically. Yeah. It, yeah. It, is it kind of hard to kind of put that into perspective? Because I don't know if there's an, any other kind of situation aside yeah. from the Olympics where it feels that yeah, way. Yeah, you're, you're definitely a rock star. And I remember, you know, Toronto Sun, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention Toronto Sun here, but... Um, oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Yes, yes. the other ones, no. Okay, uh, they were at my family's house, and I remember I was on the front page of uh, the sports page with uh, my prom picture with my now wife, and <laughs> they're going into wow. my, my love life and stuff like that, my high school sweetheart. So, again, it was good to, you know, get that, uh, that treatment because it's sort of you know, taught you how to be humble and how to handle it. And it was sort of a preface going into pro, which a lot of guys are, you know, about to do. So if you get that now and you sort of learn how to handle it, you learn the the do's and don'ts and it's just preparing you for that next step. So Hockey Canada is really, uh, you know, preparing guys with, you know, how to do media interviews, uh, you know, how to talk to the media, you know, what uh, crutches to use and not to use. And so it really uh, helps these young gentlemen get prepared for that next level. What about clicks and cliques, whatever the word is, in the team? Because... You've got guys coming from the WHL, the Q, the O, maybe NCAA. Like this this year at the selection camp, I think there was four college kids, mm-hmm. which is kind of rare. Like, you know, you guys all end up in one spot. Is there intermingling or, or is there still little groups? Yeah, it's intermingling. Um, I remember a lot of these guys, you know, are familiar, you know, with each other for three, four years. You go through the under-17 program where you right. see each other. Under-18, we were together. So a lot of these guys know each other. And uh, they're pretty familiar. So there's not really any clicks. Uh, there's no QMJHL versus WHL. There might be some ribbing with how many points I have. I got more points than you. But nothing like that. When the uh, Hockey Canada really does a good job of having a lot of team bonding. Uh, you know, I remember we had a Santa gift night where we go and sit in Santa's knee and he gives, <laughs> gives us a present. That's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh, again. What would you get? You remember? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. But um, it really does a good job of uh, doing that team bonding thing because that's a big thing. And I was a big dressing room guy. And, you know, I remember us, you know, having team runs, having, you know, a team playlist, uh, you know, doing a team uh, sewer ball and soccer. So all that stuff really uh, gets those guys ready and gets them, uh, you know, to prepare for, uh, you know, a big event as a team. 
Now you had the big year, obviously, you and Nigel tied in scoring. Yeah. Well, what's the secret behind having like a good tournament? Because really, it's a it's a two week snapshot. Like you could go no goals in a week in, in the OHL or whatever, and no one really bats an eye. But in this tournament, when everything is just amplified, um, a big a big two weeks or a bad two weeks can really kind of sink you. Yeah, I think uh, you got to get chemistry. So again, we had some chemistry with myself, uh, Nigel, and uh, Mike Richards where, you know, it sort of translated off the ice where we're, you know, playing cards together, we're eating together. So it sort of maybe goes back to that click part where you sort of, you know, gravitate a little bit more towards your uh, line mates. But again, we had that, uh, that chemistry from the first exhibition game where we came out strong and we were scoring three, four goals as a line. Um, our thing was that we started off as a defensive line where, you know, we had to have a good plus minus and we had to be defensively responsible. And then that translated into us, you know, starting to get power play time. So uh, we weren't counted on uh, for goals, but on that stage, you know, it was a coming out party for the three of us. And, uh, you know, we we're real grateful. And, it, you know, we ended up helping the team uh, immensely and scoring some key goals. And uh, that's what it's about. Big guys stepping up in big moments. Do you still keep in touch with guys that maybe you only played with during those few weeks? Uh you see, you always see them. It's tough. Guys got family yeah, now, of course. and uh, I saw Dazi when I was over with him in Russia, and he's still in Russia. I haven't seen Richie uh, in a while. I was with LA for a bit, but again, it's funny when you run into the guys and you sort of give a little smirk because again, there's a lot of uh, you know inside jokes and a lot of uh, parties you guys had uh, over the years. And again, you know, even when I see Sydney, he gives me a little wink and a little smile. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, some of the stories that we've had that, that you can't really tell on air, but again, me being a team guy and a big dressing room guy really helped me in my career because it, you know, got me a couple extra contracts and, uh, you know, really uh, brought that element that uh, some dressing rooms lack. Yeah, let's talk about Crosby back then because he was this prodigy and, you know, you probably watched from afar. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. what he's doing in the queue. Yeah. This kid's unbelievable. But mm-hmm. then, you know, you're in the same dressing room. What was your first impression of him in person? Uh, I was like, he's smaller in person. <laughs> so he looked, <laughs> he looked like he was 12 years old. He looked like he was 12. He had the big uh, bubble... Uh, fishbowl uh, visor and um, you know he was a little bit nervous so again his role was I think he was 13th forward and he was a little getting a little bit frustrated so I actually have a couple pictures of me you know just putting my arm around him (laughs) saying hey you know relax you know it's this is you know it's everyone's time and your time will come but um, don't worry about it you know if you're not scoring don't get frustrated because you know there's some big uh, big time players here we had Brent Burns come back from the NHL uh, we had some guys that, uh, you know, were high-scoring guys. So um, he was, you know, a little bit uh, weaker, a little bit slower, not as strong as everybody. But the real transition was the next year where he went from, you know, role player to superstar in one year. So that's what really separates him from everyone else, how he – that one year of development where I went from leading scorer to, you know, he was putting his arm around me the next year. Hey, Stu, don't worry about it. <laughs> Roles you know, reversed. Yeah, so <laughs> – uh, he just seeing him uh, go through that and seeing how he handled that adversity to become a top player in the tournament uh, that was that was amazing how he went from a kid to a man in uh, one short year yeah and in that second year 2005 it's the lockout so all the attention is on you guys yeah. all the attention was on junior and, and other leagues in general mm-hmm. um, so you had Ovechkin coming and and facing Crosby sort of 
you know, mono a mono, and, yeah. and there's there's a lot of sort of hype around that. Mm-hmm. Did you feel it? Where it was where you yeah, you're we, facing we, off against Ovechkin? You're like, this yeah. is a little special. We felt the hype, but we were like, we have so much firepower that we weren't really worried about it. And I think the first period, I th- you got double Dion as uh, the classic <laughs> line goes. By uh, well, be, be, before you continue, were you ever called a monster by no, Pierre Maguire? I think so. Everyone was called a monster uh, once once that, twice I needed to ask the that. tournament, but he got double Dion. Uh, I think the first period, and then. Middle of the second, Bergeron came and just killed him. Literally knocked him out of the game. So I don't know if there's pictures of it, but you see him getting a silver medal with his arm in a sling. So uh, we weren't too worried about it. We we were so focused on the goal, so focused on, you know, not duplicating last year that I think the game was over, you know, you know, a period and a half into the game. I think we ended up winning 6-1. But, again, there was nobody stopping us. And, uh, you know, people uh, mentioned, like, oh, who is the goalies at the tournament? And I was like... We were so offensively, uh, you know, so much firepower that I have to actually think about it for, you know, 12 seconds and think about it that the goaltenders were Jeff Glass and Rajon Bojeman. So, um, so it was a great experience and, um, you know, there was nothing uh, stopping us uh, at that time. Now, if we can just transition into, you know, different parts of your hockey life. So mm-hmm. you're drafted by the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. first round. Um, you know, you play there, you play with the Thrashers, you move around the league and then you end up in Europe. Yeah. What was your favorite experience? Because you you played in England, you played uh, in Switzerland in the KHL. Yeah. Favorite, just I don't know, it could be off ice or it could just be you know you had a great group group of guys in in Switzerland or something like that. What what sticks uh, out to you? For my international career, I, I really loved uh, Switzerland because I had a chance to play in the Spengler Cup. Um, I ended up getting fired in Russia. That's they don't uh, cut you, you get fired. So <laughs> what was that scenario like? They just show up and say. You're fired? Like, they literally? basically say, we fire you, and that's it. I'm like, well, um, you know, let me know how I can get the rest of my money. And they say, what money? And he leaves. So, wow. <laughs> so I was really, I had my family with me at the time and trying to get 20 suitcases to the airport. And, you know, I was in tears at the airport with the language barrier and uh, really going to a situation in Switzerland where it was amazing. They come, they get you, and they set you up. Your apartment's already set up, and you don't have to worry about the family aspect. And uh, really um, going to that Spangler Cup. It's the best tournament uh, next to the World Juniors, of course, uh, where they do a really great job where uh, they take care of the family. There's something for them to do every day. Uh, the hockey was great. And uh, just uh, being with, uh, you know, family and other Canadians uh, during the Christmas break. So it really brought back that world junior feeling, being, uh, you know, with a close-knit group and playing hockey with your family, being around. It was a great experience. Do you watch a lot of hockey nowadays? I know you you coach. You're wearing actually a sweater, yeah. Majors Hockey. Yeah. So I coach now. I watch my brother pretty much every night. So, again, I, I'm a hockey fan now. And, you know, uh, you know, critiquing his game and giving him calls after. And, uh, you know, he's been healthy, scratched a couple times, telling him not to worry about it and just sort of giving him a coach's perspective on, you know, what he needs to do to, you know, to get back in or to be successful. But he's having a great year. He's got seven goals, a couple big fights. And uh, so he's doing really well. Yeah, you're the older brother, so he's probably always, it's always yeah. been that dynamic, right? Even when you guys were yeah. both in the NHL, yeah. it's sort of like yeah. you sort of take care of him. So yeah, to absolutely. I always... Uh, you know, I think he's learned over the years from my mistakes on what to do. So, um, you know, I've had, uh, you know, you know, some games I went uh, without doing anything and uh, not scoring, hitting or fighting, whereas he's seen that, uh, you know, hey, you know what, I got to do something. So he sort of learned a bit from my mistakes and that's made him a better player. So, again, uh, 100% behind him and, uh, you know, endorse his career and not a sense of jealousy or anything. Again, it's, it's, he sort of gives it to me a bit, but again, it's it's nothing but love, and uh, you know I'm really appreciative for what he's doing. Yeah. 
What about over the holidays? Are you going to be tuning into the World Juniors? Is that a tradition still? Yeah, I still watch it. Um, but again, these kids now that I'm coaching, it's it's very busy. I'm on the ice some, uh, something so, like 20 hours a week. What level? Triple uh, A. Triple A, what uh, division? Uh, in the GTHL. Okay, cool. So I was actually at the GTHL uh, top prospects game yesterday, uh, watching a bit of it, but I was actually there to scout 9 and 11-year-olds. So they were there. The scouts were there to watch the next uh, generation of OHL players. I'm there to watch the next generation of Triple A players in that, the hockey. Yeah. That didn't happen when you were growing up, right? No. It no. was until like what, 14, 15? 14, 15. Again, there was no prospect game. Uh, my OHL draft was actually on the internet where you had to refresh, and I actually forgot to refresh. And uh, <laughs> I actually found out where I was drafted uh, two hours too late. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Do you remember that call? Uh, yeah, they were like, we were going to Kingston, and I thought Kingston was Kitchener. So I'm like, oh, I'm going west. My family lives in Burlington. So yeah, that's great. I'll be close to family. They're like, no, it's uh, closer to Ottawa than it is. <laughs> Good first impression. Yeah, yeah. So, Anthony, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Thank appreciate you. It. Michael Traco's here, national hockey writer for Post Media, to do a second half of this podcast. It's just me and him. Anthony Stewart has left the building. Uh, Mike is covering... The World Juniors for the company, as well as Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun. I'll be parachuting in for a couple days. Mike, let's talk about, it's in the middle of selection camp, so we're not going to talk about the the nitty-gritty or the day-to-day, but let's talk about Team Canada and, I guess off the top, their their identity. What what you've seen and heard and where you think this team's strengths and weaknesses will be. Hey, John. Yeah, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be a small team, first off. Uh, maybe the smallest team that we've probably seen in recent memory. Like, I was going through the roster, and just as the selection camp roster, and I think there was like seven guys who were under six feet tall and uh, less than 180 pounds. And where that's uh, really kind of uh, noticeable is on defense, where a guy like Victor Mete uh, just joins the team, uh, 5'10". Uh, Kale McCarr, if he makes a team, another 5'10 guy. So... I, like you'd always see maybe one or two, like whether it's a Ryan Ellis or someone like that, but to have two or three defenders that are under six feet tall, it's really a sign of the times. Uh, but with that being said, where they're small, they, these guys are skilled, obviously. Um, they can skate fast. They can handle the puck. So I, I think that's going to be Canada's calling card. They want to play with a lot of pace. They want to uh, create a lot of turnovers. Not going to run teams out of the building, but in terms of skill, while they might not have that number one overall flashy forward, um, I think a lot of these guys can still put the puck in the net. Yeah, the the general theme that we're seeing with this selection group that's at 33, and they're going to cut it to 22 uh, by the end of the week, I believe, or within the, the next 10 days. Um, one of the themes is that they don't have this generational talent. We're used to Connor McDavid. We're used to Nathan McKinnon. We're used to just every team having this this stud. And I don't know if this team has it, but there are a lot of intriguing prospects, I'll say. Um, and let's talk about the returnees. So we have Carter Hart in goalie. I, I think that's almost etched in stone that he's going to be the starter. Um, and then three returnees on defense, Jake Bean, Cale Clegg, Dante Fabro, plus Victor Mete was loaned from uh, the Montreal Canadiens. So you, you, you presume there's your top four. Um, and then on, on offense, there's Michael McLeod, who's probably a candidate to, to captain this team, Dylan Dubé, and Taylor Radish. So they have a core that's returning. It's not a massive core. It's not, uh, it's not like they're only slotting in one or two new players. But they are, they, they are returning uh, some intriguing guys and guys who, who have been there, done that, and uh, really missed, missed a gold medal by a hair. Yeah, it's true. Like, obviously, you just mentioned there's no draft eligibles, and 
that that's kind of a, a rarity, and there's no former top three pick on this team either. So at least last year you had like a Dylan Strom who uh, yeah. really took over the offense. So I, I don't know where, like who's going to be that standout guy offensively. Is it going to be a Mikey McLeod? Is it going to be a Cairo? Is it going to be uh, maybe a Cody Glass if he makes the team or a Robert Thomas like there, or Sam Steele? There's a lot of options, but... Unlike previous years where you'd go, okay, well, Dylan Strome, yeah, he's going to be your number one offensive weapon. Or a Mitch Marner, he's going to be your number one offensive weapon. No one really kind of stands out. And I think that's what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks is um, who's the top line? Who's going to be that flavor of the two weeks where um, he kind of really takes over the tournament or takes over the scoring role for Canada? But I think the strengths are uh, on the back end. Uh, you mentioned all the guys on uh, defense, but also Carter Hart. Um, this is a guy that has a potential to be maybe the first player since Steve Mason and then Carey uh, uh, Price before him to be one of the top goaltenders in the tournament. And I think a lot is going to be expected out of Carter Hart. 961 save percentage in 17 WHL games this year. The Carter Hart was, he split the role last year with Connor Ingram, ended up playing in, in the gold medal game. So if you want to pick a starter he was the starter or the number one guy um he lost it he, he gained it back that sort of thing um but it's it's his show this year um assuming that you know barring injury barring some major development <laughs> barring history we, <laughs> yeah, we, we pretty much have to have all these caveats so given the the time that we're recording well, also this. just look at canada's history with goaltenders yes. like the guy who starts sometimes he ends up being the goaltender at the end of the day but oftentimes he loses his job too so Maybe a Michael DiPietro ends up stealing that job. We'll see. But, oh, like, how many years in a row do we keep saying, oh, question marks are in net? And I don't know if there's question marks necessarily with Carter Hart because, like you mentioned, he's having a great year. He's a returning player. He's been there. He's done that. Uh, it's just a matter of can he um, be rock solid for Canada. And I think a lot of that's going to depend on how much they actually depend on him being rock solid because you're looking at that defense and the returning players, maybe there's less pressure on this guy. Yeah, and Kale Clegg's an interesting guy in regards to his trajectory or his story. Last year, he ends up on Thomas Shabbat's uh, other side, and anyone listening to this probably remembers how dominant Shabbat was. So he was uh, a calming presence, you could say, uh, with Shabbat running free and, and dominating games. I mean, it was one of the best performances we've seen from a defenseman, and there was also Charlie McAvoy doing it for the States. It was a great duel there. Um, but Clegg was, was a big part of that, and he had six assists in seven games. Um, he's having a really good season uh, in Brandon. And uh, if we can transition, though, to, to the other teams, because uh, you know we don't want to go down, uh, down the road with, with Canada too much, uh, given the uncertainty with the roster. But with other teams, who are you excited to see? Because there's a lot of players that are just locks on other teams. So you think of a guy like uh, Eli Tolvanen. He might even play for, for the Finnish team in the olympics like he's an absolute yeah. lock for their uh for their world junior team is there is, is there anyone that comes to mind yeah well finland's gonna have a number of guys uh probably playing at the olympics as well it's just it's the nature of um this year's tournament uh, where nhl is not going so they're gonna lean on a lot of junior age guys but uh for me i'm, I'm really excited to see the the swedes uh, in particular rasmus dahlin i think the world juniors we, we tend to get spoiled um i guess with Guys like Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine and Sidney Crosby years ago and Nathan McKinnon, like you mentioned, or Aaron Eckblad. Like, this can be a coming out party for the guys that 
uh, the guys that are going number one overall are going to be draft eligible. And Rasmus Dahlin, we saw a bit last year. Um, he was a super six defenseman for Sweden, used sparingly, mostly on the power play. But this year he has the potential of really taking over the tournament. He's that skilled and that offensive. And I think Sweden's going to really let him have like free reign in terms of uh, maybe running the offense on the back end. So it, it really starts with him. Yeah, if we can pause on Sweden, Elias Patterson, Vancouver pick, uh, tearing it up. Uh, overseas, Elias Anderson, a New York Rangers pick, also plays in Frölunda, where, where Dolan is. And Timothy Lilligren, obviously of great interest to Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Those are four guys that when I saw their selection camp roster, I went, one, these guys are going to make it, and two, uh, I can't wait to see what they do. Because, you know, you can watch highlights of, of guys who play in Europe. You can watch highlights of even the AHL. But... Unless you're really plugged into those leagues, you just see snippets. And the World Juniors is a great showcase of of talent, of, of, of teenagers that, that aren't in your face, right? Oh, definitely. And you look at the American team and Brady Kachuk, another draft-eligible guy that really has got me excited, uh, as well as uh, Quinton Hughes, uh, a defenseman that's probably going to go in the top five of next year's draft. And it, like. Every team basically has a couple players. Russia with possibly Andrei Svechnikov, who's going to go either number two or number three overall. There's a lot of great talent out there. And, you know, Canada, like we said, like it, they've got their hands full. Uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to face the U.S. or even be in the gold medal game uh, again this year. Like when you look at how good Sweden is, how good the Finns are, uh, obviously the Americans are, are as strong as ever. Uh, there's competition from almost every country here. Uh, and that outdoor game, oh boy. Um, let's hope that Buffalo doesn't get the amount of snow that they got for the last <laughs> Bills game because that could be a real nasty affair. I don't think anyone's going to be able to, to find the puck after uh, it's buried in three feet deep of snow. Chris Peters, uh, our friend from ESPN, made a good point on Twitter the other day. Not only are we seeing the NHL welcome in these young stars, 18-19, who dominate the league, but we're seeing it overseas too. So Eli Tolvanen uh, of the Predators in Finland He's one of the best players in the KHL, which is almost unheard of at, for his age of 18. And then Elias Pettersson of the Canucks in Sweden uh, in the SHL. He's also ripping it up. It's 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 almost like a, a golden age for 18, 19-year-olds. Like when you go across the board, every league, uh, a lot of them are playing in pro versus junior nowadays. Yeah, except for Canada, really. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't have a draft eligible here, and I don't even know where they're going to be drafting, um, how high the first Canadian's going to go in the draft if it's Joe Valeno and if he's going to even be a top five guy. But, yeah, you're right. Um, it seems like more and more um, players are able to make that jump, whether it's to the KHL, the, the Swedish Hockey League, or uh, the Liga in Finland. And, you know, I think there's just an emphasis on speed and skill, and more coaches are just willing to live with the players' mistakes and um, you really just take the, the positives of, uh, a kid that can come in and score and um, just really take over a game. So it, it's it's nice to see. Um, I don't know if this is just a cyclical thing or if this is just kind of a trend that we're seeing. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Peterson, uh, he was at last year's tournament. Had an okay tournament. I don't think he put up a ton of points at all. But you noticed him on the ice. And then this year, he, he has a chance to be really kind of that, that standout player uh, for Sweden. I'm going to give you a couple questions here. You got a pit fire, sort of. Um, they're all along the same theme. So, tell me who you think this year's Thomas Shabbat or Charlie McAvoy will be. So, this is a dominant mon- minute munching defenseman. Is there anyone that comes to mind that you go, 
I can really see just them in the doing whole it. tournament. Yeah, like any team. Oh, for me, like I said, it's it's got to start with Rasmus Dahlin. Um, e- easy choice there. Like you go on Twitter and like every day someone's posting a highlight reel <laughs> um, rush that he makes up the ice. So yeah, he's gonna take over. The guy is he's basically Eric Carlson, um, but a, maybe a taller version and. Um, maybe even more advanced at his age. So, yeah, I, I think, hands down, he's going to be one of those guys that everyone's going to know his name uh, by the end of the two weeks. Okay, and then who will be this year's Clayton Keller? And by that I mean uh, more of a playmaker, very dynamic. I remember last year just being in awe of his, of his playmaking skills and his, his stick-handling skills. A guy who, you know, we see it now in the NHL with Keller, a guy who's going to put up points uh, no matter who he's playing with, just because he he puts players in good positions to score. Well, I'm going to give some love to Canada. I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be as dominant as Clayton Keller was because, heck, we're talking about a guy that's almost a generational player in Keller. That's how good he is. He's Johnny Gaudreau-like. Uh, but I like Mikey McLeod. Um, the guy's got speed to burn. Uh, it's a second year um, to the tournament, so he's going to get a lot more ice time, a lot more responsibility. And anyone who's seen him play for Mississauga uh, this year um, or even last year uh, knows that he's just so talented with the puck. And um, he's going to be almost, I think, a jack-of-all-trades for uh, Team Canada. Uh, He's going to score goals, but I think he's so versatile that um, you might see him on the wing. You might see him kill penalties. You're definitely going to see him in a check-and-roll sometimes. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to be amongst Canada's leaders for points. Okay, last one. Who is this year's? Kirill Kaprizov, and if you don't... The, the guy I can't spell. Yeah, well, I'm like looking at it, I'm like, uh... So he put up nine goals, 12 points to lead last year's tournament. So basically, that translates to who do you think will lead the tournament in scoring? Yeah, I was going to say Svechnikov, but I'm still not cons- like convinced that Rush is necessarily going to name him to the team. I could look like a fool, and maybe he's a slam dunk pick, but he is out with an injury. So I'm going to mention the guy that you kept talking about is the mini line A. Um, and Eli Tolvanen, um, this guy, like I said, mini line A, he can score. He loves to shoot the puck. Smaller guy, but man, oh, man, he loves firing it from everywhere. 30th overall in the, the draft this past time. Shocking. And he had a terrible World Juniors last year. All Finland did, obviously. Uh, almost got regulate, or relegated. But uh, I think he's got a lot to prove. Uh, Finnish teams definitely got a lot to kind of uh, prove to their country and to the tournament. And it starts with Tolvanen. This guy can fire the puck and... You know, if he's hitting in all cylinders, he's going to end up uh, definitely the scoring leader. Man, I, I, there's something about this time of year, and I'm not trying to get too uh, sentimental or anything, but doing research and trying to, like, wrap my head around the World Juniors uh, and, and kind of get in that mode, it's great. You're, you're seeing all these fantastic prospects uh, up close. You're kind of shifting your focus from the NHL to, to the juniors, and there's just, I was looking at some of the videos on YouTube of past world, like some crazy things happen in this tournament. Like, for all we know. It's a mistake-filled tournament. Yeah, for all we know, like, the, the Canadians could win win, win out in the, in the round robin and lose in the first elimination game, right? Like, that, those are the type of things that happen. I think the best, the best part of this tournament is, A, you're dealing with teenagers, so they're going to make mistakes. But also, B, you're, you're dealing with guys that don't have that kind of, I don't want to say ego, but they haven't established themselves. So they're all really working hard to kind of put themselves on a map and a radar. And, you know, I know they're drafted, but, you know, their teams are looking at them saying, okay, how far along is his development? Is he a guy that we're going to pencil in for our roster next year? And a lot of this depends on how they show in this 
big world stage. So, um, but I love the fact that there's just so many mistakes. Like, yeah, it's the best part of the game is the fact that you know, like Canada can blow a five nothing uh, uh, lead, or um, just the leads keep changing hands, and goaltenders are oftentimes not as sharp as they are in the NHL level. So, it, it can be a fun tournament uh, for those reasons. Well, the margin of error is so thin. Last year's gold medal game is a perfect example. Right. The the leads are changing, but Canada was more or less in control for the majority of the game. Goes to a shootout, they lose the gold medal. Now everyone looks back on that World Juniors as as the the United States being being the country. Whereas Canada had just as good of a World Junior. It was literally they didn't one have a shootout, shootout move. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't. Have they didn't have specialist. Troy Terry. No, and sometimes well, you look at the year that Canada won with Jonathan Tay scoring. It's like. What was the difference between Canada and U.S.? Well, Canada had Carey Price, they had Jonathan Taze, and both guys were just money in the shootout. And the the best, my favorite storylines are when the 13th forward ends up being the most important player or ends up getting top-line minutes after, like, two games and then is is basically the poster boy of the team. I just, I just think that's, like, right. kind of funny and also, like, a very good story. Yeah, you can never count guys. Who was it? Was it Evander Kane that one year that he was? I think maybe made the team because of an injury, and then end, ended up just kind of shooting them, shoot up the roster. Jonathan Druin, another one where yep. we didn't expect. Them. I remember everyone, that. Yeah, everyone was going, "Okay, it's Nathan McKinnon's tournament," and then Druin found himself on the top line. So yeah, you're right. Two weeks. It just if can you catch lightning in a bottle? Uh, can you be that guy? And we talked to Anthony Stewart, and he was very similar. Where the one year he leads the team in scoring. Um, was very much a, a huge reason why Canada almost won gold uh, the first year, and the next year he comes on the team and he's like, "I was a 13th forward." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's just how it is. You get humbled pretty quickly when you're with all your peers, mm-hmm. and a lot of the guys know each other through through different events. You don't find chemistry. It's, yeah. So, and it, it, I mean, just the the best player and the worst player on a team Canada. I don't know if there's like a huge difference either. I mean. Unless you're one of those generational players. There's a lot of guys that are going to be NHLers, but are they going to be star NHLers? I don't know. Like, they're sort of in that category. And it's not the be-all, end-all. Like, no. Alex DeBrinket makes the team two years ago in Finland. Perfect example. Last year, gets cut from the team. Where is he now? Was he, like, top five in Calder rookie scoring? Yeah. So the guys who don't make the team or get cut, don't worry. A lot of politics, too. Politics maybe more so in the states, and maybe I'm being a little yeah, you know, biased because they, they they don't like guys who don't go to the program, or or they typically will pick program guys over OHL guys. Like it's well, been, it's history has shown that's true. Yeah, in Canada, they took a number of NCAA guys to their selection camp, but then you look at Owen Tippett not getting an invite yeah. this year, and that kind of raised eyebrows because the, Owen Tippett had played seven games in the NHL this season, scores a goal, so you can never tell um, where the coaching staff is looking. In terms of what they want to bring, but you know, like at the end of the day, um, I, I think we're going to see a, a real talented team, Canada. Um, it's a team, Canada, that everyone should expect uh, to challenge for gold. If they get it, great. If they don't, just means that this wasn't their year. Yeah, it hasn't been their year for <laughs> a number of years. For for a while here, I actually have the medalists. So um, they get silver last year, 2016. Met, they don't get any medals. 2015, gold. 14, no medal, 13, no medal, 12, bronze, 11, silver, 10, silver. So they've only gotten one, and I didn't go back further than that. Uh, they've only had one gold in the last, what is that, eight years? Yeah, more fun, though, when 
Oh, you got to mix doing it up. This rather yes, than yes. what was it? Five straight years. I think so. before that, before 2010, they went on this big run. Yeah, and that was kind of fun too. But then it got old and got to the point where like, oh, what's the point of watching? Canada's just gonna steamroll the tournament. Well, now it's like, are they even gonna make the medal rounds? So, be interesting. Yeah. So you're covering the the tournament. How can people read their stuff? What's your Twitter handle? And yeah, so Michael underscore Tricos. Um, you can basically read me in the Toronto Sun, National Post, or any post media newspaper across the country um and i'll be covering it uh along with terry koshan and i know yourself is, is you're going to be dropping in hopefully more times than not um and yeah i'll be covering the rest of the selection camp but then once the tournament starts from boxing on boxing day forward uh, i'll be the guy to read cool uh thanks for coming on thanks very much